0: Hello product innovators today we learn from the CTO of Stanley Black Decker on what makes a great new hardware product and how to pitch it.
1: You're listening to the product startup podcast. Now, onto
0: the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Mark Mayberry to the show. Mark is the Chief Technology Officer at Stanley Black & Decker. He's also a member of the Defense Science Board and was a Chief Scientist of the United States Air Force. Today, Mark is going to share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what makes a consumer product great in 2022 and how to consider these things from the design phase through to production, then on to scaling up. Now, onto the episode. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you, Kevin. Likewise. Good to see you as well. It's good to see your team members at the Make 48 competition a month ago and supporting that. And it was great to see all the activity. It was fun being a judge there as well. So great to meet uh, your colleagues there. And of course, they're the ones who introduced me to you. Very excited to have you on the show as the CTO of Stanley Black & Decker today to talk about what makes great products within the tool industry, and also just general tips on innovation and how companies can actually submit to Stanley Black & Decker, their invention ideas, and some other things you're working on in the community. So much appreciated for you being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Give us a bit of a background. How did you get to be the CTO of Stanley Black & Decker? Well,
2: I actually spent 31 years in the public sector working for the federal government in a national laboratory, actually eventually leading uh, one of the federal laboratories. So I got a chance to really, you know, foster invention as a chief technology officer, as a chief security officer. About 4 years ago Stanley Black and Decker decided they wanted to have their first chief technology officer, so I got uh, I got a call and it was a life-changing event in the sense that having worked almost exclusively in non organizations, I all of a sudden was thrust into this global product-oriented, purpose-oriented organization. So it's just been a great, great pleasure, a great ride in you know, working with some phenomenal people all across Stanley Black & Decker across the world.
0: That's amazing. I tell everybody, um, for those, I'm sure almost everyone does know, but for those who don't or for a refresher, what does Stanley Black & Decker do? So we're, we're a, a
2: global and diversified industrial that includes a tools and storage business. You probably all of your you know folks maybe in their home have some of our products, whether they be you know Dewalt uh, power tools, indoor hand tools. They may have some of our storage devices. Uh, they may have our Stanley products, Craftsman, uh et cetera, and et cetera. It's basically a large portfolio of really exciting tools and storage. But what most people don't realize is that we also have an industrial and an outdoor business. So, you know, we have ride-on mowers and, and snowblowers that we manufacture, but also in our industrial business, not nine out of every 10 vehicles, uh, cars, or light trucks uh, that are on the road today are held together by robotically inserted Stanley Black & Decker factories. Fasteners. We produce a billion fasteners a year, um, so it, it's a really a, it's a very inventive company. Uh, you know, we invented the dustbuster, which many of us have in our house for, for NASA uh, to collect moon dust. But you know, we invented the first cordless drill. Black and Decker. We're just inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. So there's a lot of thousands and thousands of patents and in, and in in great innovations. It's a great it's a great place to be.
0: Amazing. I mean, it's a huge company that's doing a lot of big things in the industry. And I know that you as well, you have the Stanley Ventures arm, which invests in startups. You have the accelerator. You've got a whole bunch of programs, awards. You're involved with things like the Make 48 TV show. So you've been deeply involved and the company has been deeply involved in the inventor space for a long time. You've worked with a lot of different ideators and startups, both investing in, nurturing, partnering with, etc., So you've got a tremendous amount of experience and you've seen really what works and what doesn't. So to kick it off today, especially in your industry, what makes a great product from what you see, especially in emerging a new product from a a startup or an inventor that's developing their first tool, gadget, widget, whatever that's in your space? What, What have you seen that really works well?
2: as you noted Kevin you know we're very unique in the sense that we really believe in a diversified approach to innovation
0: and and certainly you
2: need the inventive piece you know something that's creative that's novel then importantly it's got to also be something that you know fulfills a human need so that's probably the the single most important thing is you know what are the pain points what are the what are the irritants what what are the challenges what are the inefficiencies Where's the friction that that new idea solves, and that's really important. It's also important that it solves it in a way that's scalable. Solves it in a way that creates value, you know, for the company creating it, for maybe the suppliers producing it, uh, you know, supporting that. But importantly, also for the customers. The best products are ones that people uh, not only buy but are passionate about. They become advocates for it. You know, we we look for purpose. You know, we have a purpose for those who make the world. We're for the inventors, we're for the creators, for the caretakers, and we're we're for those people who who contribute uh, to others in the world. And because of that, we want a product that's got a purpose, but we also want it to create value. And and increasingly today, we also want those products to be environmentally and socially responsible. Those are additional elements of success.
0: That's interesting uh, in terms of the environmentally and socially responsible angle. It's obviously a hot topic today. You're really seeing that as a primary pillar. Uh, Industry wide,
2: absolutely. Well, in in fact, even more so. We have draft regulation from the SEC that's likely going to guide areas like cybersecurity, which we're very aggressive in in addressing, uh, but also environmental, social, social and governance topics. And so we early on, and, and you know, to your audience, the creators, inventors very early on, we've committed to, for example, making our manufacturing processes uh, scope one and scope two carbon neutral by 2030. And we're already actually ahead of, we measure this, we're ahead of the game. By 2050, we intend to have our scope three, all of our suppliers and also the usages outside of our walls essentially be uh, also carbon neutral. And we are making good progress to that. The nice thing is by setting a, a clear northern star, you really marshal a whole bunch of interests. So, you know, for example, a couple of years back, uh, well before ESG was even a topic, in the second year of our Accelerator, we took half of the 10 companies we accelerate every year and we said we want them to be eco-friendly packaging and, and eco-friendly materials companies. And and so today I'm proud to announce that uh, we just recently made available in the Home Depot bio-based degreaser. Right so you you can go out and buy an, an actual biologically based Degreaser instead of you know some petrochemical sort of capability, and similarly, one of the things I'm excited about. I never used a chainsaw until I came to uh, Stanley Black and Decker, and, and I got mine. they incredibly powerful, but also safe, and, and importantly, cordless, and not actually as heavy as the as the old clunkers. And today, now we offer Dewalt Bar Chain Oil, which is completely biologically based, biodegradable. Uh, it literally smells uh, because it is you know based on on natural oils. It it, it smells like you. You know, your salad dressing. So I I think one of the things we look to the inventors and the makers to do is to be the change masters, right? To be the ones that see the strategic trends, to get ahead of them, to invent and innovate uh, business models around where we are today so we can get to a much greener and more socially responsible
0: future. That's powerful stuff. And, you know, I think about two of the things that you mentioned there in terms of passion and scalability, and those two kind of go hand in hand together. Explain why those two things are so important, especially for a scaling new product.
2: Well, you know, when you want to scale, uh, there are multiple dimensions, I'm sure, as, you, as your audience appreciates there. You, you want to certainly start with you know, something that has a broad need. That, that's going to satisfy a social re- requirement, as we were talking about. So there's the scale, if you will, in terms of the desire for that product. Um, and then once once you need, realize that, as you're fulfilling that need, you want to design for man- manufacturability. Whether it's you know using platforms or using you know re- renewable materials, reusable materials, wh- whatever, wh- however that that manufacturability is. You know, maybe it's, it's low energy. We have some really cool cold forming processes uh, that are part of our special sauce where we significantly reduce waste. But it might simply be, you know, making it um, something with an abundant supply. If I can make, make a battery that doesn't require very limited and, and potentially dangerous uh, source materials, then uh, and instead make a battery from salt for example, that's, you know, replete and abundant, that would be a great way in which you can scale because you don't have a supply chain reduction. Similarly, you want to think about how you scale through your channels, scale financially, scale customer. So when we think of scale, we think of it holistically, right? The full life cycle, cradle to grave of that product.
0: Or It's interesting because most people, when you think of scale, the first thing that jumps to mind is sales how do I sell more, (laughs) right? And that's the holy grail. But when you're looking at it on a global scale, like Stanley Black and Decker, you're trying to think of scale of all stakeholders, which is important to think about in the early phases. And I love how you even brought the environmental element into the concept of scale. So how can you think about your environmental or social impact in the beginning as you're designing and developing the product, thinking about how you're actually going to run your manufacturing, because there's lots of options when it comes to manufacturing. Most people don't realize that even though you have a final design, final prototype, there's many choices and actually design, let's call it tweaks or iterations that'll happen from that transfer to like final... Design for manufactured, finished prototype, all set and prepared for production, and the actual production itself, where the production engineers and your design engineers will be working collaboratively together to iron out those final details within that are choices. And many of those choices can be impacted if you're thinking about that North Star you're talking about of scale, not just in all the traditional ways, but also scale in terms of your environmental impact, which seems like it's a theme through everything you're talking about today.
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, environmental impact, because, you know, it may be that the single supply, most expensive element of supply is energy. Or water, things that you're not even anticipating when you're doing the design, you're thinking of, oh, I've just got to get a microcircuit. Well, the microcircuit may be very important, but it may turn out to be not the primary cost. So you've got to look at, you know, ability, you've got to look at complexity, simplification, or lots of engineering methods like platforming and other methods that that, that can be can be applied. But also you, you have to think about, for all resources, you got to think about people, right? Do you have enough people? Right now, we actually have more demand than we have supply. Right. So, you know, in, 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 and so that, you know, have, have you anticipated ahead of time how complex the manufacturing process is going to be? And have you anticipated how you can appropriately affect automation? When you're looking at scale, you've got to build things in lots of 10,000 or 100,000 or in our fasteners business, a billion, producing a billion fasteners, right? You cannot have human inspection it's not going to work. So you have to have use artificial intelligence and vision and automation to support that process. Now, interestingly, some people may automatically jump to the conclusion of, oh, well, you know, you're just going to automate everything and go, go robotic. Well, it turns out actually that companies that don't roboticize in a study of 1900 Spanish manufacturers actually reduce employment by 20%. This was done over a 10 year, stu- 10 year study. Those that invest in robotics actually increase employment by 50%. So there's a 70% differential, but importantly, wow. they're anticipating to your question of scale, how am I going to manufacture this in a combined human machine way and having the humans do the right things, um, and and not waste their time on the wrong things like visual inspection of a billion fasteners. It's not going to happen. And so you have to think about putting automation in the right places to support that scale.
0: Smart. You're thinking further down the line at all elements, right? When you're looking at scale, I love the multifaceted approach to it. Very valuable and something that even if you're in the early design phases of a product, you should really be thinking down the line about how you're actually going to scale and expand. Because if mm-hmm. that thing that you want to happen happens, meaning people want to buy your product, demand is there, then you've got to be ready to fulfill that. Otherwise, you're leaving opportunity on the table. And that can be very costly to a startup. So DFM, you know, design for manufacturing is extremely important. And something that really should be thought out from the early phases and all the way through as we're seeing even at the biggest levels with Stanley Black and Decker. And speaking of which, I want to talk a bit and use some of the time to hear your experience from what makes a great pitch because Stanley Black & Decker has a whole pitch program that works with inventors and and small manufacturers, small product businesses on a variety of different levels. So just take a bit of time here to explain to the audience what makes for a great pitch, what makes for a great pitch and product uh, from what you've seen um, from some of the best that have approached you.
2: Yeah, so we certainly look for some of the key elements that you might find uh, in a business canvas. So, you know, we, we want to know, is the product satisfying a real genuine human need? It doesn't necessarily have to be something, by the way, that exists that people know about, right? People didn't know they needed an iPhone until they got one. We have Artesian, which is a, a, a home bar that's a new product that's that's forthcoming from actually from an inventor, right? To our Black & Decker brand, which uh, focuses on lifestyles and, and, and new uh, kinds of experiences so, it's really exciting uh, brand. We, we would have never thought about that ourselves. And that yet, yet, it's something that some very creative individual, a set of individuals, you know, invented. You want it to be something that's exciting, something that is fulfilling. It also has to create a value. It's got to save time or save money or do or, or save the environment to something of, of genuine, hopefully, many things. Um, certainly, it's something that you, you know, we also look, of course, at the inventor teams, right? We want people who are passionate about something. But we also want people who have humility, right? Things are not going to go right. (laughs) You know, things are going to happen. And when those things happen, it's not a question of will they happen? It's a question of how you as as an inventor, as an innovator, respond to that. If a particular product formulation doesn't work, or maybe is not safe, how do you make it safe? Inherently, if it's not sustainable, how do you it d- designed it so it is sustainable. We've invented a new, so we have a, a new, a really neat rail cutter to, to make railways more efficient. We've introduced uh, a bio-based lubricant with that. Why? Well, it turns out the the inventor, a small company called Dynamic Green Product out of uh, Texas, Scott Porter, the, the CEO, decided, hey, look, let me work and find where the need is across Stanley Black and Decker. Zoom in on this particular new product that's coming out and say, we could make that product better. And so that bio-based lubricant makes the cutter significantly lower temperature. It increases the speed so you can cut faster and it also makes the blade wear longer. And so it does all of those things. And oh, by the way, environmentally friendly. And so it's kind of like, you know, bing, 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 bing. People didn't know they needed that. You know, it's cooler. It's, it's better. It's longer lasting. Oh, by the way, it's also mother nature is smiling. So I think we're looking for those pitches that that are certainly they're exciting Right, you want them to generate passion not only by the inventor, but more importantly by the consumer. Right, so they're they're demanding more of this, that they're going to buy
0: more of it, and essentially the product's going to sell itself. And how does somebody actually reach out to Stanley Black and Decker to pitch something?
2: There, there are multiple ways. You know, we're 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 very much a believer in the ecosystem kind of approach. Why? One of my favorite African proverbs is, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." Well. Interestingly, we've actually, our experience has been that if you go together, that is, if you work together with others in your ecosystem, you can actually go faster and farther, right? What do we do? Well, one of the things we do is right on our homepage, we have uh, submit your idea. So you can just go to stanley black and Decker submit your idea and, and you can say I got a thing and, and you know as I was sharing before we, we do analysis how much we get we, we get probably three to five percent of the material that comes in turns out to be actually applicable and, and of interest to our customers sometimes it may be of interest to our customers but we're not the right ones to manufacture maybe we just don't have the right facilities or, or it's not really doesn't fit in our product line so one they can submit their idea those are for patented ideas. In addition, they can submit every year. We pick 10 companies that we accelerate. And so jointly with Techstars, we've done this here in Hartford. We're just about to uh, have our investor day in Baltimore uh, later this month for the next 10, 10 cohorts. We're excited because we're working together with Upsurge, which is a local underprivileged organization that focuses on the underprivileged communities within the Baltimore area, trying to encourage more innovation and invention from that underserved community. And we also invest. We have a Stanley Ventures organization that picks companies where we take minority stakes because we want those companies to succeed in other markets other than tools. Uh, They might be new battery companies. There might be new digital companies, IoT companies, robotic companies. There are all kinds of companies we're interested in. And then finally, we give grants. So every year, we have a process which we just started this year called the Impact Challenge, and we pick nonprofit organizations. They submit every year, and again, this is all available on our website. We want to stimulate the vocational trade schools, the construction trades, the maker spaces, the high schools, and other schools that are, that facilitate more makers. So, so those are several ways your viewers can participate if they want to engage with us.
0: Early on, you mentioned that you have a very holistic approach to working with the invention community and the innovators and small companies. It's amazing to see how many different ways that Stanley Black & Decker has for small emerging hardware startups to get involved with your organization, especially if it's a good fit. And that 3 to 5% yield rate is impressive work with many four to 500 companies that are significantly lower than that. So it's amazing to see that you're actually able to do something or help that quantity of, of startups that are coming into the ecosystem that you have created. Before I let you go, I want to talk big picture here, uh, because you've done some amazing talks on some of the secrets of innovation. Big picture thinking on what entrepreneurs and hardware startups can be thinking about In terms of how to be a great innovator, can you just walk through high level some of those elements and then I'll let you go?
2: Yeah, sure, Kevin. Uh, it's a great, great question. So, you know, one of the things we've learned is uh, is fr- from actually studying inventors, both the, the contemporary ones, the ones that we're fortunate and privileged to work with every day. And we learn as much from the inventors as we give to them. When we started almost 180 years ago, you know, we were just a little startup, right? And there are lots of great stories we don't have time for, but some sometime, maybe in a future podcast, I can tell you some great stories, Stanley stories about uh, invention and innovation and marketing and so on. But one of the things is just observing. Carefully, right? Da Vinci's hydrodynamics inventions were inspired by rivers, right? His flight, you know, ideas and machines were inspired by looking at birds. Mona Lisa, right? The smile, the muscles, right, on humans. So, be a passionate learner, not only a lifelong learner, but a careful observer of the social, of the behavioral, of the scientific, and other activities around you. Second, listen very deeply. You know, Edison solved everyday problems because he focused on pain points, but he did something more important. He's actually my favorite inventor. Why? Because he created the meta invention, the laboratory right? So he created a process to accelerate learning. And because of that, we have the light bulb, right? We have the phonograph, right? We have the ticker tape, right? All of those things and many, many others, right? One of the most inventive people in the world. Think about that model. Think out of the box, right? Whether it's Nikola Tesla's ideas of wireless electricity or Ford's study of others. He actually came out and studied Stanley and looked at how we did things. Experiment with purpose, right? It's interesting. I'm the former chief scientist of the United States Air Force, we did not invent flight, right? It turns out when we wanted an airplane, we gave a bunch of government contracts, none of which produced an aircraft. What happened? A couple of brothers, right? And a dinky little shed, right? On a windy plane were you know, who knew how to build bicycles had purpose. They wanted to fly. They were going to do anything to fly. By the way, their propeller blades, a small fact, were 80% efficient. Some of the airplanes today, we don't have props that are roughly 80% efficient. Amazing what they did. And then finally, collaborate, just like we do. Why do we have such an ecosystem approach? Because we learn from others, whether it's Leonardo or Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Edison. They were Renaissance people, right? And so be a Renaissance person try to learn from everything, incorporate everything into your life. And and you'll be one, you'll be richer for it. You'll be happier for it, more fulfilled for it, but you'll also be more inventive and more creative and more innovative. And so with that, I encourage everybody to continue to leverage those secrets of innovation and come up with your own.
0: What a great set of five key principles to think in terms of innovation that applies to anyone listening to this podcast right now, no matter what part of the inventive journey you're in. So Mark, Mark, Thanks again. And as always, I'm going to put the links. Mark's gave a a few different options for getting involved with Stanley Black & Decker. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to click through. And of course, you can just go to their website, just Google them, and you'll be able to find it there as well. Mark, thanks so much for all your words of wisdom today. And we look forward to talking further.
2: Thank you, Kevin. And happy innovation to everyone out there.
0: Thanks, Mark. Take care.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.